Hello. Welcome to Lights Carry Action. I'm Carrie Morrison, and I think I spoke for about 10 minutes without recording anything. <laughs> of course, I had one of the most terrible weeks when it comes to doing my day job, and then I end up not recording, like, what, 10 to 15 minutes of me rambling to a microphone. We obviously need some good light-hearted cheer with some comedies, so you know what, folks? I've got that for you. I've got some reviews of some cracking funny things. You'll end up feeling very romantically frustrated after this episode. But with that being said, let's get on to our first film of the week. Lucy, do you think you want to try getting out of bed today? We're getting smell complaints from the city. Have you just been masturbating and braiding your hair for three weeks? My vibrator will never break my heart. Well, it will break your vagina. Yes, the first film I'm going to be talking about this week is 2020's The Broken Hearts Gallery, which is written and directed by Natalie Krinsky. It stars Geraldine Viswanathan, Dacre Montgomery, Nikki Duval, Suki Waterhouse, Philippa Sue, Bernadette Peters. So this stars Lucy, who is a gallery assistant and collects mementos from her previous relationships. However, when she is broken up by her latest boyfriend and is fired from her job, she decides to open up the Broken Hearts Gallery where she puts up mementos and also people's donations of their mementos of past relationships. Show up everywhere. Are you my stalker? You just hit her? No! The car was just pre-game. This is where you actually murder me. I'm turning it into a boutique hotel. Do you see this tie? It's the only thing I have left from my last relationship. Why don't you leave it here? A nail, perfectly placed. So look at that. It's like art in a gallery. I can help with the hotel in exchange for gallery space. Of course, we could use the help. You start tomorrow. Get us the coffee. Nothing with actual dairy. He gets really sensitive in his tummy. I hate both of you. Now, I'm going to say this. I wish this wasn't a romantic comedy. It would have done well as a comedy, but I think because it focuses quite a lot of the time on the romance, and whilst I enjoy the romance and the way it develops, I think there's so much going on about Lucy's trauma that really could have been explored or at least explained a little bit more and her overcoming that trauma, making the decisions that she makes. Whereas in this film, you kind of just have her say when she's making that development or she kind of says her thoughts out loud to her romantic love interest. It's telling, not showing. There is a really heart mo- heartfelt moment when her and Nick go to meet Lucy's mother for the first time. And it's so bittersweet. And that's definitely one of my highlights of the film. And it gives it a kind of depth that not many rom-coms tend to do. But I think what this film suffers a lot is its use of tokenism. Like, for example, they just for some reason have crammed in a gay subplot or like a gay character just monologuing at Lucy when he's delivering a coffee just giving his life story I'm like no one would do that it feels weird and we didn't actually need a sort of closure to that subplot because it was that unnecessary to the plot and didn't add anything to Lucy's story and I'm gonna say the romantic love interest Nick I don't forgive him for what he does I think he's a bit of a so-and-so the way their friendship develops is kind of unearned I feel like the way it resolves at the end that could have been done way better and have a bit more of an uplifting moment for Lucy when she eventually opens the gallery the film is riddled with rom-com cliches but it's possible enough because people do it with enthusiasm that you don't kind of really think about the cliches it, it gives you until the film finishes 
I mean, the only point I was like, this is a really terrible cliche is when Bernadette Peters, she plays the rude and forthright boss, kind of a watered down descendant of Miranda Priestley for Devil Wears Prada. And there's a scene that's meant to be really uplifting to Lucy and like really like motivates her to do the next thing when actually I felt like it could have happened from anyone. If you cut out that scene completely, you would have gotten the same result, basically. So all in all, I think the film is okay. I think it's made with a lot of enthusiasm, but I think there are way better rom-coms out there for you to give a gander that all in all, it's a bit of a disappointing watch. Now we're going on to our next film question mark of the week. From Walt Disney Home Video, Cinderella sparkles with performances that have critics raving. I like the way that sounds. Brandy is adorable. Jason Alexander is hilarious. Bernadette Peters is perfect. And the rest of the cast is all we could wish for. You've got two Prepare to be swept off your feet by Cinderella. Available to own on February 10th from Walt Disney Home Video. Yes, I'm going to be covering the 1997 adaptation of Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella, which is directed by Robert Iscove. It stars Brandy, Whitney Houston, Victor Garber, Whippy Goldberg, Bernadette Peters, Paolo Montalban as the prince. You know the story of Cinderella. Sad person meets a prince. Ooh, he's cute. And then person can't go to ball. Person is sad. Ooh, fairy godmother turns up, gives person dress. Person goes to the ball. Person meets the prince again. And then person leaves a glass slipper. Then prince, you know, tests the kingdom. And then happily ever after. Things are happening every day. Impossible. Impossible, 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 impossible. It's a very much a condensed version because the original musical is about three hours long. Originally, the role of Cinderella is played by Julie Andrews, so you know the kind of style it originally is. And now it's made into this 90-minute, Walt Disney home video film that looks like it was made on a smaller budget than I think it deserved. The problem I found with Cinderella is that I didn't actually find Brandy very compelling as an actor. Her performance is kind of flat and I don't really engage with her very much but because Paolo Montalban as the prince he has such enthusiasm and has such affection for Cinderella you kind of are like oh they're cute. So you kind of root for them, but also at the same time, I wish Brandy had that actor's spark. And also just as someone who's had musical theatre training and that breathy quality in her voice, it just doesn't suit the score at all. And it fell, again, flat for me. Whitney Houston, having a whale of a time. I loved her as the fairy godmother and she obviously loved playing the fairy godmother. She was like waving her cape around and flashing the magic and oh it was also great Whoopi Goldberg absolutely loved her as the queen she was so poised and so regal and yet still had that goofy comedy that Whoopi Goldberg normally gives absolutely loved it and she reflected very well with Victor Garber you'd think they're an unlikely pairing but they matched so well and Bernadette Peters as the stepmother you'd think that at this point the stepmother is just one note and just really mean as a person but 
there are points when actually I was really heartbroken for her because you could tell that she obviously needed therapy but actually was taking her frustrations out on Cinderella and I'm like oh I feel really bad for you even though you think you're a terrible person so all in all performances are really great except for the main character and also I really how would I describe the costumes it's like the regality of Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella, but make it a pantomime and make some of the costume pieces as if it was a costume roulette from the costume hire because some of them were garish and awful and they kind of didn't blend together. And altogether, I found that Cinderella's outfit for the ball is not that nice. You know, it's meant to be this big transformative moment releasing the inner beauty even though Brandy was already really beautiful before the makeover, but that's not the point. It's meant to be this beautiful, elegant ball gown, and it just felt like something out of a fancy dress shop. It is a really nice film. It's made with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of heart, and it's really lovely. It's just, I think it could have used a bigger budget or a better management of funds in order to give it the proper budget that it deserved. Now we're going on to our last film of the week, and folks... This one is a heartbreaker. She was born into a time when the world of study belonged only to men. Gentle for the thousandth time, men and women have different, different obligations, obligations, I know, but Don't Papa... ask why. Forgive me, Papa. Her desire to learn was so great that to satisfy herself inside, she pretended to be a man outside. So that all the things she wanted to be, I'm a student. he could be. Yes, I'm going to be looking at Yentl, which was released in 1983, directed, starring, co-written and co-produced by Barbara Streisand. So you can kind of tell what kind of film this is. So to describe the plot, Yentl, played by Barbara Streisand, is the daughter of a rabbi who is being taught sacred texts that women should not be reading. And after Yentl's father dies, she disguises herself as a boy to continue studying these texts. Just a piece of sky. Nothing's impossible. Why do you always have to be different? Yentl. Now this film is really well written and it's originally based on a novel and I understand the criticisms of this film is that it doesn't give a lot of side characters a lot of depth and from my perspective I think it actually is a good adaptation in terms of the context because when reading a novel you get someone's perspective whether it's first or third person it's always from someone's viewpoint and so constantly there's not a scene which Yentl is not in right and so every scene you're seeing Yentl's interpretation of her surroundings and what's going on. This is enforced on us by whenever she sings, because only Barbara Streisand sings in this film, which I, I, I will get to that in a second. But when she's thinking to herself, her voice has an echo effect. But when she is just singing out loud, um, there's no echo and it's just her in the room saying her feelings. So constantly this film is feeding you Yentl's perspective, which I think really works you kind of have the exact same viewpoint of Yentl of like, how is this person going to react? How is this person going to think? What are they going to do next? 
And whilst I do understand that, I do wish I did learn a bit more about the side characters, but I think Barbara Streisand focused more on the experience of the viewer going from Yentl's perspective, which I thought was really effective. I mean, she was absolutely fantastic as Yentl. Mandy Patinkin was really great. I felt like Amy Irving, who plays Hadass, could have been fleshed out a lot more, could have given her a bit more oomph, like a bit of gumption. And I acknowledge that Jewish women of that time, they were only born and bred to be wise, essentially. But you never really knew if that was really what she wanted. Even though throughout the film, she's trying to decide her ambitions for herself, you kind of feel like she's only talking and only telling her her thoughts when Yentl, as the man version of herself, Anshul, is forcing that of her or when everybody else is trying to speak for her. So her character could have been developed a lot more rather than just a really beautiful and about sensual desires. But also, even though sometimes the musical phrases or like some scenes become a bit predictable when you go, ah, this is when Barbara Streisand is going to do a big ballad, I still enjoy the ballads and they do help you navigate your emotional journey throughout the piece. So even if it is predictable, there's nothing bad about it being predictable. And this film is bittersweet, it is heartbreaking, but it's to do with coming to terms with who you are and how you want to portray yourself as to the world. And it's a brilliant film for that and I genuinely recommend it. Now that's all the time I had for this week. If I'm going to recommend a film, I definitely would recommend Yentl out of all of them, but if you want a nice fancy evening, just a bit of entertainment, Cinderella would work as well. But that's it for this week. You can follow the podcast and its developments at Carimo Media on Instagram. And please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, in terms of my personal accounts, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carimo97. Apart from that, I think that's everything. I'll see you next week. Take care. Stay safe.